Hello and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Kosek. And today we are going to be talking about interviewing like a pro in any industry with Jackie Grant. Jackie Victoria Grant is a professional coach and founder of JVG Strategies, teaching individuals interviewing strategies and how to master the art of professional presence. Jackie holds degrees in psychology and human resources management and is also a certified human resources leader with the Human Resources Professionals Association. Throughout her career, she's worked in HR and recruitment for some well-known Canadian brands, such as Holt Renfrew, Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts, and Goodman's LLP, a Bay Street law firm in Toronto. In addition to her career coaching practice, she also works for SV Academy, a San Francisco-based company which offers tuition-free training in order to democratize access to business development jobs in the United States. She's coached hundreds of individuals on interviewing strategies who went on to successfully land tech sales jobs in the competitive markets of Silicon Valley, the Bay Area, and New York City. Jackie, welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. I'm excited to be here. Same here. It's been a long time coming, I feel like. And this is a great uh, sequel to last week's episode on resume writing with Adrian Tom. Wouldn't you agree, Lisa? Absolutely. And fun fact, Jackie also was at our coaching school. So the three of us have some history. And so it should be a really fun episode. Yeah. So it's so good to see you both. Mike, it's been a while. And Lisa and I have been in touch on on sort of a weekly basis. But I'm really excited to be here. Yes. Time for your breakout episode in the world of podcasting. Yep. Cool. (laughs) Awesome. So we'd love to just start by talking a little bit about what made you get into interview coaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So as Mike mentioned, my background is in human resources. Um, In that space, I spent a lot of time in recruitment. So I'd say my experience as a recruiter was about two years where I was constantly, you know, screening candidates and spending just a ton of time interviewing. And um, from there on out, I really just kind of developed a niche once I went back to school and got my coaching certification um, for interview coaching because I had that experience in HR and recruitment and I had the coaching experience as well. So it it just paired nicely together and it it made sense and I enjoy doing it. That's amazing. Yeah. With interviewing, a lot of people tend to get a bit in their head about it. It tends to be a little bit of a scary topic. As soon as you say Mm -hmm. the word interview, all of a sudden people straighten their back, they're, you know, get a little bit clammy hands, all that kind of stuff. Why do you think interviewing is so scary? Yeah, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because even today I was working with a client where, you know, you're having this conversation with them and they sound so personable and so natural and so candid. And then we go in to do a mock interview and it's like they freeze up. Um, They almost step into a different persona, a different person. And they're not letting their true character, their true authentic nature shine through in their interview. And I wonder if it has something to do with this pressure that we place on ourselves when we go in the Mm. interview where we think, okay, Um, You know, I need to be liked. I need to be kind of in the spotlight. Every answer needs to be perfect. You know, that's not necessarily the case, right? An interviewer just wants to have a conversation with you. They just want to get to know you as a person and feel like you're a real person, right? So actually your interview is stronger if you can bring that mindset of this is just a conversation, right? I'm just going into this to get to know the person and they're going to get to know me a little bit better. If you step into this mentality mentality of it being, you know, kind of a you know, almost like you're on and under the spotlight, there's going to be a shift in how you show up. 
So the work that I do is really about helping my clients kind of avoid stepping into that, that space and stay in their true selves and their true authentic uh, character. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Very interesting. So can you talk a little bit more about, you said authentic character, mm-hmm. how can somebody sort of stay true to themselves in those moments? Yeah. So a lot of it, I think starts with the mindset, right? So it's what you're telling yourself when you go into that interview. Okay. So if your mindset is around, you know, maybe there's some limiting beliefs around, you know, I'm not good enough for this job or I'm not qualified or I don't have what it takes. That kind of thinking is usually the recipe for putting on some kind of, you know, persona or mask to try and feel like you can compensate for those limiting beliefs, right? But if you get really clear on your self-talk and you really think and reflect before going into the interview, you know, what are all the reasons why I would make an amazing candidate for this role? You're going to start to shift how you're thinking about the interview, right? You're going to start to think about it from, this is a win-win. I have a lot of value to add, you know, I can bring a lot into this interview. And once you go into that space, then you're going to be able to be authentic, be natural, and you're going to feel more confident in that interview. Amazing. That makes so much sense too. I'm flashing back really quickly to our very first episode on this show, which was called how interviewing is like dating. Mm -hmm. And without going too far down that tangent for someone who maybe has more success, you know, being in that social one-on-one outside of a professional environment, meeting someone new for the first time. Do Mm -hmm. you see that there are parallels between being in front of someone on a first date and being in front of an interviewer for a job? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, obviously interviewing is a more formalized version of dating because you're looking for professional requirements and so forth, but it very much parallels, right? You're looking for fit. You're looking for that chemistry. You're thinking, okay, can I see, can I imagine? So as the interviewer, right, you're thinking, can I imagine waking up and seeing this person every day, having them on my team, right? You're going to spend a lot of time with your next hire. So you are thinking in that same way. It does really come down to that subjective. Do I like this person? And um, that's why interviewing, building rapport in the interview is so, so key, right? So that you can build that rapport with the person that is interviewing you. um, And then you're more likely to feel a connection. Bingo. Yeah. I love that. Totally agree. How about for people who say that they don't like talking about themselves? Because I hear this a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that one too. You know, it's not easy. I mean, it's funny because a lot of the work that I was doing with SV Academy was coaching individuals on, on sales jobs, right? So in those types of interviews, you have to sell yourself. You have to be able to sell yourself. You have to be able to talk about yourself really kind of candidly and without any ego tied in intertwined into that. Right. And a lot of people feel like, well, when I'm talking about myself and I'm selling myself, I sound like I'm boasting, but I always challenge them by saying, how true is that really? Right. Because here you are in a situation. And if you really are thinking with that win-win mentality, then it's about showing your value. It's about showing your worth. The person interviewing you has a need. Okay. They need help. They need to hire for the role. So you, it's, it's your responsibility going into that interview. If you want to secure, you know, to the next step 
to share your value, to sell yourself, to talk about what you've done that's relevant for them to know. So you almost have to detach. And, you know, this is also tying back to that mindset piece that I had spoken to already, but you almost have to detach from this idea of like, um, I'm being judged to I'm sharing my value. I'm sharing what I've done. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a huge mindset shift right there for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of components in there around mindset. Yeah, I absolutely would think that your interview is an extension of your self-awareness of yourself as a candidate and what you feel about yourself as a candidate and in your professional career, right? So if you're really confident in your career and you're really self-aware as a candidate, um, you know, my clients will hear me talk about this a lot is like, get clear on what you're bringing, get clear on who you are as a candidate, because that's how you're going to speak openly and naturally in the interview, right? So a huge piece of this is absolutely mindset and people don't necessarily think about that when they're like they're prepping for an interview no you know it's funny that the prepping for an interview is key and i think that people get really fixated on almost trying to like foresee what questions they're going to get in that interview and then prep answers for the questions they think they might get that is if anyone out there is using this strategy that's not your most beneficial strategy because if you get a question that you didn't plan for then you're almost like whoa like deer in headlights didn't see that coming don't know how to answer that so i think that the self-awareness piece on you know what am i bringing how does what i have done align with the um, with the role that I'm applying for, um, what areas can I add value? Where have I had experience? If you do that work, you're going to be able to, to interview in a stronger place. Cool. Let's talk a little more about just sort of the preparation. We've talked about mindset and, and what that looks like going into an interview in terms of actually going and sitting down with a specific employer. What are some of the things people can do to really maximize the opportunity? Yeah. So I always think of it from the perspective, I'd say there's probably five check boxes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you have an upcoming interview um, with a a specific company, it's a specific role, maybe it's an onsite. I'd say there's five really key things that you should do leading up to this interview. So for me, the first one is research the company. Okay. So when I say that, start with the core. Start with the core of what it is that that company does, okay? So what is their product or service? Um, You know, what industry are they in? Maybe they're in professional services. Um, Maybe they're an engineering firm, whatever it might be. What do they do and who do they sell to? So what drives their revenue, right? So if you can get clear on that, now when I say that, don't recite to me what you read on the website in the interview. I want you to embody and understand what the company does, okay? So I'd say that that's, that's, the first checkbox. And with, with that, so in addition to researching kind of the core of what the company does, also look at those peripherals. So go in the news. Did they recently undergo merger or acquisition? You know, what's going on in their industry? Um, when was the company founded? How many offices do they have? I call those like the peripherals. Know those things as well, okay? The more you know, the more you're gonna demonstrate enthusiasm and engagement when you interview um, for this company, okay? Mm. So that's the first checkbox is the company research. For me, the second one is now the role. And this one is really important. So when you think of researching the role, the job description is your best friend. 
your job description is your secret tool to really uncovering what it is that that interviewer wants or needs, right? So look at the language here, okay? What's the jargon that they're using? Are there certain keywords or phrases, certain tools or things that you can pull out from this job description and bring into the language of your interview, okay? If you do this, you will be successful, especially if you're interviewing for that first time with the recruiter. The recruiter is trying to qualify you in order to move you forward to the hiring manager. There aren't always uh, specialists in each area. So a recruiter might be hiring for a finance role. They're listening for certain keywords to qualify you, right? So if you do that work with the job description and you pull out those keywords, um, you're going to be in a good spot, okay? Cool. The third thing is research the interviewer, okay? So think about... Who are you interviewing with? Who are you speaking to? Who is the audience? Go on their LinkedIn, check out their LinkedIn. Where did they go to school? What industries are they coming from? How long have they been with the company? This can be a place where you could pull out really interesting questions to ask this person, or it might also be a space where you could relate to them on something and build further rapport in the interview. Um, so I'll quickly go over the last uh, two things. So the, the fourth thing is prep your stories. So for me, um, I always tell candidates, if you prep your stories, you're going to be able to answer any interview question that comes your way. Okay. So for example, let's say you're interviewing for um, a project management role. Okay. And one of your stories is this huge project that you saw from start to finish and you were really successful. Um, and you, you, you know, it was, it was quite the accomplishment. That's one of your stories. Um, obviously I'm going high level here, but then if you're in the interview and I ask you for an example of a time that you, um, you know, saw a project through to completion, or I ask you for a challenge you face, or I ask you for um, what you can bring to this role, you can use that story to fit mm -hmm. any one of those questions, right? So if you have good stories built out, you're going to be able to take on any question. Do this instead of scripting um, for questions that you think you might get, okay? The last thing that you should check off before you walk into that interview is prepping your questions, okay? So think about what questions do you wanna ask the interviewer going into that interview? Awesome. Cool, wow. What a massive value bomb you just dropped on our audience, I appreciate <laughs> that. Don't know if that, that's gonna to have to like take a moment to sink in, but that was <laughs> a, a lot, lot of, of amazing information. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. No problem. Okay, so let, let's just kind of pick at that a little bit um, and sort of deepen our understanding of that even more. Mm -hmm. The role, I, I love your comment, point number four about prepping your stories. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think a lot of people either overlook or they're not very well practiced on. And so if someone was to take on this strategy in terms of prepping their story, like what are some of the different ways that they can do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always think, I, I think start with a, like a piece of paper and a pen yeah. and the job description, right? Look at the job description and really get clear on, okay, based off of what they're asking for, how do my experiences translate, right? What can I bring that will show value for this role, right? So think about your education. So academic experiences, maybe it's professional experiences, maybe it's your volunteer experiences. I don't care what it is, but look at your previous work experience um, and beyond and pull out stories that are parallel to that job. Okay, so maybe it's three stories on times that you went above and beyond. Um, you know, you had a win or you accomplished something great. 
Maybe it's three stories where you face some kind of trial or challenge, got knocked down, failed, made a mistake, okay? So these are common themes, right? So interviewing questions are all around general themes. So if you prep your stories, you're going to be able to pull them off um, a bookshelf in your mind and, you know, have them ready for you in that interview. So think about prepping your stories as kind of a really important uh, pre-interview step to take. Could you use your resume as kind of a starting place for that? Because as you were talking, I was thinking of, the, thinking of the different sections of a resume. Yeah, absolutely. Your resume is, is definitely the place to start because that's probably when you think about you know, what you're sharing with the interviewer, they're going to see that resume, but they're not going to know the stories that, um, that come with that. You know, maybe you highlighted metrics or accomplishments, but when you tell the story, there's so much power in that it shows what you've done, you know, as a candidate and what you could possibly do if they were to hire you for the role. What are some of the biggest issues that you see that people have during interviews? Yeah. So for me, um, one of the main things that comes up is concision. So I can't tell you how many times I've been speaking with a candidate um, or working with a client and, you know, it starts off as, wow, this person's amazing. And then it just goes on and on and on and on. And they're layering thought after thought after thought. And I think, okay, I liked you, but now I'm just exhausted listening to you and I'm changing how I actually feel about you now. Mm. So concision can actually really work against you if you're not able to deliver your thoughts with clarity, with directness, um, and you know, with an appropriate length of answer, right? Everybody has to develop that internal um, intuitive gauge as to what is an appropriate answer length. Um, if you're going on and on, then you're gonna you're gonna sound just too scattered. Some tools on how to work with concision, I'd say, if you can set a framework or some kind of parameter around how you're answering a question, that can be helpful. So often I'll think of, you know, if I were to ask a question, okay, what is that first initial impact statement? So answer the question really directly give the reason evidence story to back it up and then tie it back to the role or summarize it. And if you can stay within this framework, you're going to help yourself not um, trail on for too long. Cool. Nice. Like three part framework that you can yeah. follow. And Lisa, exactly. And, and Lisa, I know you asked me for what are some, and I gave you one, um, but just to go over really quickly, some other things, um, not being conversational, which we talked about, you know, earlier on, um, forgetting that the interview is more than just that 30 minutes that you're sitting in front of that person, right? The interview is the mm -hmm. entire recruitment process. So that means when you're scheduling your interview, show good etiquette. Don't be late to respond. Don't be canceling, rescheduling. Don't be inflexible. Don't forget to send that thank you note. All these things are part of the interview. Um, so you really need to make sure you're on your A game in that space as well. I'd love to just pause there because that's a really good point that people don't think about. Mm -hmm. And it almost, as you're saying that, it makes me think of that pressure that we put on ourselves in that 30 minute interview. Mm -hmm. But if we look at it at that broader perspective, it may actually help people yeah. change their perspective a little bit. Absolutely. So think about it like this. If you're going to an onsite interview, 
the on-site interview is not that interview when you're sitting down at the desk. It's when you walk in the door. It's the receptionist. You don't know who's going to have decision-making authority, right? And and who maybe the receptionist is friends with the hiring manager and they thought, what do you think of that candidate? Oh, they were really rude to me when they walked in, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really important to see this as an entire process and to really make sure that you're showing good etiquette, that you're being courteous, um, you know, and, and that'll really help you get ahead. Speaking of sort of like the the more holistic take on the interview process and, and drawing it out past the 30-minute on-site sit-down, let's just say, some interview processes, some hiring processes are mm-hmm. really long. They're either many interviews, they might be a full day of interviews, they might be weeks of interviews. Mm-hmm. Are there different approaches or strategies that you counsel people to take when it comes to handling different hiring cycles? Yeah, absolutely. So exactly like you said, Mike, every company is different. Their needs are always different. But um, I think that there's a good kind of approach in terms of follow-up. So I always coach um, the individuals that I'm working with on ensuring that they ask about next steps at the end of that interview, right? So that you really do have a good gauge as to how long the interview process will be. And that'll help you cater your follow-up process, right? So if they say, you know, we got to take this back. So-and-so's on vacation we'll have an answer in a week. I'm not going to follow up two days later. But if they say, you know, we're going to get you an answer by the end of the week and you don't hear from them, then it is appropriate to follow up, you know, after they said that they would get back to you. So I think that making sure that you're doing your part and getting that information in the interview is really important. It shows leadership. Okay. And I think it's good to, to make sure you're solidifying the next steps. Um, Good etiquette is one follow-up, but if they push back and say, you know, we don't have an answer, I would, I would hold back and wait before you follow up again. Too mm-hmm. many emails mm-hmm. can become stressful or too many calls can become stressful for the recruiter or the hiring manager. Good point. I, I also like that directness in just asking because a lot of times people will be in their own head sitting around waiting for that phone call and there's a really easy way of getting around that, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Lisa, it goes back to this idea of leadership, right? Leadership is not, um, is different from seeing it as like a hierarchy and authority, right? So you can still demonstrate leadership to someone who is maybe seen as above you or has more power in the situation, which in the interview mm-hmm. process, um, depending on the market, generally speaking, the employer has more power because they might have more candidates to choose from. Not always, but generally they do. And if you do show leadership and ask for those next steps, you're showing them that you feel confident in that space, but you still respect them. Yeah. In terms of you, you brought up for me just in saying that it depends uh, a lot of the time that an employer has more power without going into a full tangent on, on things like negotiation, which I think is probably for another episode, honestly, but is, is talking about salary negotiation, how important Mm -hmm. is that? And when does it come into the interview process? Yeah. So personally speaking, I mean, there's, there's, there's controversy over, over this topic. Um, a lot of employers like to ask that question right off the bat. So I know now there's even some recruitment software such as Workday or whatever it might be, where they actually screen out candidates who apply for jobs by asking them their salary expectations in that cell application process. Right. Mm -hmm. So you might even get Mm -hmm. screened out on salary um, before you've even had that phone conversation conversation. But a lot of recruiters traditionally do like to ask, what are your salary expectations? Just to get a feel for where that candidate falls within the range of, you know, the offering for that role. 
if they're way, way overqualified, that'll come through with the salary expectations or if they're underqualified as well. So we want to feel good about, you know, the number to, to ensure that it's aligned with what we can offer. And it also helps us gauge expectation, right? So generally, to answer your question, it does come right at the beginning of the recruitment process. If you're looking to negotiate in that space, it depends. There's a lot of variables. Um, and I think that, you know, there is room for that when there's the offer in hand, but um, it, it really does highly depend on the situation. And, and if a company hasn't talked about salary at all, let's say you're, you're getting close to the offer stage and it hasn't even come up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there an appropriate time to ask that question? Um, I think and this is this idea of using good judgment, right? And I, I think that I would really gauge kind of the way that the recruitment process has been handled, your relationships with the people that you're dealing with, if you feel like it's appropriate. And I, this is my best tip is like, if you feel like you're comfortable asking, um, you can ask that. And I think that a good recruiter or hiring manager should clear that up. It's kind of on them. They shouldn't facilitate. I don't, I don't see it as good etiquette to facilitate a candidate through a recruitment process all the way to the end, but then not be able to meet their needs. So if you don't have the ability to be flexible with salary, then you need to clear that up at the front. If you do have the ability to be flexible with salary, then it's okay to kind of have that conversation at the end toward offer. Makes sense. Another opportunity I feel like for you to sort of demonstrate some of the soft skills that can go into mm-hmm. any role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a huge part of this process is is really intuitive, right? You, you got to use your discernment around who you're dealing with. Um, this goes, you know, during the interview. This is the entire recruitment process of, you know, what questions are appropriate to ask, how you want to ask those questions, when you should be wrapping up the interview, um, how you should follow up. All of these things also take a certain level of of judgment. You've touched on some of the the mistakes or some of the common blunders that people make in interviews. Is there anything you want to add to that list? Yeah, so I think I talked about concision, not being concise is a huge one for me. That comes up a lot, um, forgetting to be conversational, um, forgetting to send thank you notes. You know, this is, this is another one. And I, I actually shouldn't even have to say it, but I feel compelled to because it still comes up, is not showing up on time. If you show up late for your interview, I don't even care if it's one minute late. If you show up late, especially if it's a phone interview and you're a minute late, you will disqualify yourself. End of story. Okay. So I once had a candidate that showed up late for their onsite interview and it was, it was a significant amount of time. And I had back-to-back meetings that day. And when reception called me to tell me that the candidate was there, I just said, you know, to let them know that unfortunately I no longer had the time because they had disrespected my time and showed up late. I don't care your reason. If this is a first impression, right? If, if you show up late, I'm going to view you as flaky and irresponsible. And I'm going to assume that you're going to be flaky and irresponsible on the job. So do not show up late for your interviews. And then I think on the flip side to that is don't show up too early either. So if you have a 1 PM interview, don't show up at 1215 for that interview. I'm going to feel like, oh my goodness, they're here already. I'm on my lunch. I'm not ready to take this interview, right? So make sure that you, maybe five minutes, 10 minutes before um, is a good time to walk in and, and let the receptionist know that you've arrived for the interview. That makes me think of like when you're going to a party, it, mm-hmm. you don't want to show up too, too late where you miss all the fun, but you also don't want to show up too early because the person will still be like doing their hair. 
Yeah, exactly. It's the, it's the same idea, right? This is etiquette. This is something that, um, that translates into social life as well. I like that analogy. Are there any other major themes that people should know about when it comes to preparing for an interview? Um, I think that the biggest one is really, it's almost like this idea of stepping into the shoes of the person that's interviewing you. Okay. Um, and if you can do that, so this ties back to knowing your audience, knowing the company, knowing their needs, knowing the role. But if you can step into the shoes and empathize with this person who is, um, has a hiring need, then that's going to help you cater to, um, to that need in the interview better. Okay. So a lot of the time we get stuck in our own head, you know, maybe I should tell them about this. Maybe I should tell them about that. Just think about what they need to know. What are their concerns? What questions would this person have, right? About you as a candidate, speak to those things. Um, and that'll help you be more successful. It kind of goes back a little bit to uh, an episode that we did with Rochelle Moulton and she was talking about how you can communicate various ideas based on what the other person's goal is. So really focusing on, you know, what is that person's end goal and how can you create a partnership with that person to let them know that you feel comfortable serving them. And that's, you know, as we've mentioned in past episodes, a lot of what we talk about is, is about serving people and you can actually serve people in an interview too. hundred percent. And I love the way that you're thinking about that, Lisa, because that also ties back to the idea of the win-win, right? Um, you know, I think we learned in, in our IPEC school as well about the, the different levels. It's like that level five um, mentality where you really want to make sure that you're bringing something to the table too. And you feel that, right? It's a positive outcome for everybody. Yeah. Shout out to all the IPEC grads out there. That win-win mentality it just shows up everywhere, <laughs> including on the Career Builders podcast. So thanks for bringing that up. Just going back really quickly to kind of your five check boxes from earlier, you talked about um, asking your interviewer questions like what are some of the really powerful questions that you can ask toward the end of an interview? So I think about it like this, whether or not you've had a great interview, an average interview or a not so great interview, your question space, when the interviewer turns it around to you and says, Hey, do you have any questions for me? That's your chance to knock it out of the park. And what I find is that so many candidates use that space as just to get by. Okay. So what I mean by that is why ask a really generic surface level question when you can ask an exceptional, intelligent, thoughtful question that shows me that you're thinking about what I'm thinking about. Right. So this is actually might even tie back into some common mistakes that I see candidates make is I constantly get, you know, what is the company culture or what are you looking for in a candidate? Um, that's fine. It's not going to disqualify you as a candidate. It might, depending on the role, um, but it's also not going to set you apart and get you ahead, right? So think about how can you think of really intentional, thoughtful, company-specific questions, okay? These are questions that can only be asked to me at that company, not questions that are rinse and repeat for any interview. Um, if you do this, you're demonstrating to me, you're sending me like a a message that you're really excited to be here and you want to be here and this is the role that you want right so that's um 
kind of the strategy behind asking good questions. Um, what they might sound like is when I gave you those five check boxes of, you know, what are the things you can do to prep? Well, through that research of the company and that research of the person and that research of the role, you should be able to build out these thoughtful, intentional, specific questions. And so if you haven't done that work, that's when you're going to ask me that surface level question. And that's when I'm going to assume that you're, you're not that into this role and you're not that excited about it. So your questions can go a long way. It's kind of like that final impression too. Instead of the, the first impression, that's kind of your last impression. It's the final impression, absolutely. You really wanna leave it off on a positive note. Um, and with that in mind, I mean, ask positive questions, right? Sometimes they say, you know, what was the biggest failure of your company this year or something like that? It's not great. I mean, it's, it's kind of a negative connotation, right? So you want to make sure you're asking positive questions, um, you know, questions that are really going to get that person talking and make sure you have a few, right? Sometimes we might be in a rush. You only have time for one. Sometimes there's time for a couple and you want to utilize that time to show a really strong interest in, in the role. Love it. That's a great, great point. Yeah. You almost, you know, is this first date going to end with just like two people awkwardly saying, see ya, or is there going to be some sort of, who knows? Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> I'll leave it out to the, to the dear listener to imagine that one, but that's a really good point. Good. Yeah. No, I, I and I, I hope that this is helpful. I think that, um, you know, questions are, are interesting because, you know, going back to this idea of coaching individuals going into sales specific roles, but any role I think is you want to ask seller, um, seller questions, not buyer questions, right? Because you are the seller. So you don't want to be asking questions that are buyer questions, AKA what's in it for me. What am I going to get out of this? What's mm -hmm. the comp package? You know, what's the work-life balance? Like that's going to irritate me, especially if you're not far along in the recruitment process. Um, so, ask me questions that really help sh demonstrate what value you can add, right? These are seller questions. How can I help? How can I be of service? Like Lisa said, such a great mindset in and of itself. We could probably go another episode. I feel like just on the, the mindset of being in that selling role, we've got some questions that we ask all of our guests who come on the show. Lisa, do you want to, do you want to take this for our last yeah, few questions? Absolutely. So uh, what would you say is the most fun that you've had in your career so far? So, yeah, I love that question. I think that, you know, I am a creative, right? So I love, even from the time I was young, I was always making jewelry, you know, writing poems, doing things that was creative. And you think, well, in HR, you know, and in career coaching, what space is there to be creative? But when I built my coaching practice out, and as I continue to do that, there's so much space to be creative, and I have so much fun with it. I love anything from, you know, color palettes on my website, um, or, you know, just thinking of different techniques, creative uh, strategies that I can bring into my coaching sessions to help add more value for my, my clients, right? The creativity component of my career is what really motivates me and gets me going. That's awesome. And I can, I can sense that energy too, as you're talking about it. Yeah. I love it. What would you say is the biggest risk that you've taken in your career and how did it turn out? Um, yeah. So I'd say that the biggest risk I took in my career was about two to three years ago. Um, 
you know, I was in, I was working in HR and I, I liked HR. I did, but I felt like there was something missing for me, like this level of impact that I wanted to have with people that I got from working with people one-on-one. And, um, that was the point in time actually where I met both of you, went back to school, got certified as a professional coach and decided that, Hey, I want to start a coaching practice. And that is a risk, right? To go off on your own and want to start your own business. And I, I left my full-time job, right? Um, a good secure job downtown Toronto and amazing company. You know, I loved working there, but, um, I just felt this need to go and do this. And I kind of thought, you know what, sink or swim, but I got to go for it. This is something that I want to do in my career and I got to take the risk and I hope that, you know, it works out. And if it doesn't, I'm going to figure it out. So it was, it was a, it was a risk, but I did it. That's awesome. A confident risk. Yeah. Love it. Okay. And the last question is what is the best piece of career advice that you have ever received? Oh, okay. I'm going to have to think about this one. The best piece. Oh, I actually do know exactly the best piece of advice. So it takes me back to, um, I was younger. I was, I was working for four seasons and and part of my responsibility was to help coordinate this intern lunch, um, uh, with the founder of the company. And, um, he gave this piece of advice out to the group where it was just so valuable and it stuck with me for so long where he said, you know, even if you don't know what it is that you're going to do with your career, so you don't know, um, you know, what you want to do with your life, think about what you think you might like and try it. Okay. Take your best guess. It's going to lead you somewhere. Even if it doesn't take you, even if you go back to law school and you don't end up a a lawyer, that doesn't mean it's not going to add value. It's going to actually probably reset you onto your path as it was meant to, right? And that piece of advice was Mm. huge for me because even my career, maybe I'm not ending up ultimately in HR, but I definitely, it was a part of my journey. Mm -hmm. So I'm really, really glad that I did it and um, that I had that experience because it brought me to where I am today in my career. Amazing. Love that. Very, very cool. Yeah. Jackie, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn um, or you can find me on my website. So it's jvsgstrategies.com. You can contact me for one-on-one coaching. Um, And I'm also in the process of starting an Instagram handle, which will be at jvgstrategies. So check that out as well. Um, And I'm really excited to hear from everybody who felt like this uh, podcast had value for them. Fantastic. Yeah, you've got a lot to give to those people for sure. Cool, thanks. I think that wraps it up for today. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Our guest was Jackie Grant, and please check her out. She's got a whole lot of great content. I think we just sort of started to scratch the surface of the wisdom that that she can bring to this kind of a discussion and probably many others in regard to the career development topic that we cover here. For the Career Builders Podcast, I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Picosa. And we will be with you again soon. Bye.